Hello and welcome back to Talkin' Moto. Today we got obviously the Arlington recap that just happened this past week. Lots of action in both 450s and 250s. 250s obviously we had big, big, big get off for Austin Forkner. So we'll get into that when we get into the main event. But uh, just like how they've been running it the last couple weeks, we'll go 450 heats first and qualifying and all that and then we'll get into the 250 main before we wrap it up with the 450 main and a look ahead to the iconic Daytona that we are going to next weekend. So without further ado let's get into it. 450 qualifying we got Jet Lawrence on top once again. He he was known for this in the 250s and throughout his 450 Pro Motocross debut, qualifying first pretty much every every weekend. And he's been able to do it quite a few times here in the 450s. And he's got the reigning Supercross champion, Chase Sexton, who was almost a half second behind him with uh, a 44.2 and Jet was running a 43.7. And those times, those were the, about the same times we were seeing most of the guys run, especially Eli Tomac towards the end of the main event when he went full vintage Eli Tomac beast mode. So uh, it was good to see that. But like I said, we'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, Tomac's day did start off pretty good. He had a uh, fourth in qualifying combined right behind his rookie teammate Justin Cooper who was in third and then the guy we've all been wondering about the last couple weeks Justin Barsha qualified 29th so real real interesting to see the uh the little downfall of Barsha these last couple weeks and uh he hasn't come out and really put the blame on the motorcycle or the team or really anything hasn't hasn't said anything about injuries I know he is coming off of a couple shoulder surgeries that can be hard to say he spent he is coming off a couple of those so I'm not sure if maybe he's having some uh, having some problems with those again but yeah Justin Barsh has been struggling big time not just in qualifying but heat races and main events as well and uh we got cooper webb who went on to win he was 11th in qualifying so real interesting to look at qual uh 450 qualifying there and how it all shook up and whatnot and ferrandis still pretty quiet so far in that new Honda that he's been wanting to ride for a really long time and I know he's much more of an outdoors guy pro motocross guy but uh would have expected a little bit more from the former 250 supercross champion Dylan Ferrandis but as long as he's still happy uh I guess I guess that's that's all good news so uh jumping into 250 you have Seth Hamaker, old hamburger. That's a little inside joke for a couple people who will be listening to this, hopefully. He was your fastest qualifier in 250s, right in front of your points leader coming into the race, Austin Forkner. And then uh, Hayden Deegan, one of your big championship hopefuls, qualified eighth. After the absolute disaster that was Detroit for him and a handful of other guys. He was sandwiched in between two guys in this qualifying that were also involved in that Detroit first turn pileup. Cameron McAdoo 7th and Tom Viel 8th. So, you know those three guys are really looking forward to... Uh, the main event here that we had in Arlington and hopefully trying to get a little bit of a bounce back race after the balls out race that we had in Detroit for 
for Cameron McAdoo and everyone else who was involved in that that pile up there. I believe Hamaker was involved in that pile up in Detroit, <clears throat> and he was able to come out swinging here in the 250 qualifying and get that first place. So now going on to uh, the 450 heat races, we saw this is uh, obviously your odd, no, even number qualifier, excuse me, where we had uh, Aaron Plessinger came out of it, looked like just came out of straight up evil Knievel style cannon out of that gate and grabbed the whole shot. Eli was looking fast all night long as he did in qualifying. He brought that speed over into his heat race. He was able to catch uh, Plessinger through the whoops really fast. And uh, they were able to battle for a little bit. And I know both of them spoke in the press conference after the race saying it was really fun battling. And uh, Plessinger obviously wishes he had that back. But he said it was really fun fast battle with them being out there the first race of the night they were able to say they could just pin it and go as fast as they wanted pretty much as fast as the bikes would let them they had no restrictions from the track obviously with being brand new completely smooth so uh third place you had ken roxon very quiet third place finish for ken roxon and uh, your reigning champion, Chase Sexton, also in this heat race, went from ninth all the way up to fourth. So that was that was the highlight of his night because main event did not go his way very much. Didn't have the worst main event, but I think he's still looking for some of that speed that he had on his old HRC Honda team last year during the Supercross season. So... Maybe still a couple things for Sexton to find on this new Red Bull KTM, but I think I obviously I think he'll get there because I I picked him to win the championship. I did also pick him to win the main event in Arlington, but uh, that did not go to plan. But oh well, who who cares? Definitely not me. I'm not upset about it. That's a lie. I'm a little upset. Uh, On a 450 heat too, though, we had a little preview of our main event where we had Jet Lawrence and Cooper Webb up front, and uh, and Anderson was able to come through, went from third place all the way up to first place in the whoops, and uh, really showed some great speed in the whoop section there, and then uh, Malcolm Stewart had a good pace, was able to kind of latch on with these top three guys, that being Anderson, Jet, and Cooper Webb. So Anderson goes from three to one in the whoops, and then Cooper Webb went all the way from first place all the way down to fourth place, getting passed by Jason, Jet, and Malcolm in the span of three corners so he is definitely looking for something there that he just couldn't find and uh, Jason Anderson then made a little bit of a mistake in one corner and Jet was able to go just like Anderson did in the whoops Jet went from third all the way up to first and uh, I think this might have been the most three to one passes one dropping to fourth and three corners I think this might have been the biggest position swing if that's what you want to call it in such a short amount of time that we might see all season I think it definitely is that we've seen so far because I can't recall another time where we saw two separate guys go from third to first and one section or one corner and a guy go first to fourth in three corners so I think that that might be that might be one of the better races we'll see all season long I know that uh 
we've had quite a few good ones already and I know coming up this uh coming down the stretch here of this supercross season we'll we'll definitely see some more with uh quite a few fast guys out there maybe after Barsha figures it out finally but uh 450 heat two jet was your winner and the guy I just mentioned Justin Barsha got 11th so he was unable to qualify straight to the main event from his heat race that means LCQ time and he had an interview on the track right before the LCQ on the uh, on the broadcast or I believe it was Will Christian interviewed him and uh, he Barsha was all all smiles seemed like he was in a good mood did what he said in the interview he said he's just got to go out there get a good start and win the LCQ that's exactly what he did so seems like he's still in good spirits I know he posted a video on uh, on Instagram Monday and uh, still good good spirits smiling saying that uh, they just got to find some things on the bike and find some things with himself and looking forward to going to Daytona mentioned how it's one of his favorite tracks and whatnot so hopefully you got to hope he can find something in that so now going on to the uh, the 250 heat one where your points leader uh austin forkner was in was in excuse me and then uh swole jaleek swole on that triumph machine he uh he pulled the whole shot, had a big case. Deegan was able to get into the lead, but then uh, then your your points leader for the 250s, Austin Forkner, was able he was able to find some serious speed there. Was able to catch up to Deegan, follow him for a bit, and then uh, just got by Hayden in in the whoop section, and then um, Max Anstey was also able. So, you know, ruffle some feathers with Deegan, and Deegan tried to put a little bit of a block pass on Anstey and did not work out for Deegan as Anstey stayed in second and Deegan stayed in third. And uh, your winner was Austin Forkner and then Anstey and Deegan. And uh, after that, after the whole shot in the case, Julie Swole was still able to get fifth. So better than in Detroit when he got punted off the track by uh, by Pierce Brown and then got ninth, I believe, in his in his heat race. So Jalik Swole's night off to a better start than it was in Detroit. That's for sure. And then uh, 250 Heat 2. Didn't see as much of this as I wanted to due to some other things. But uh, I do do know that uh, Seth Hamaker pulled the whole shot, and then he he got a little bit got a little sideways on us. And uh, I know Pierce Brown down in the sand, so I know that sand was causing quite a bit of problems for everybody all day long, two fifties, four fifties, and uh, I saw Roxon was down in the sand. Jet Lawrence went down in the sand in qualifying. Pierce Brown down in the sand, as I just said, in uh, in 250 Heat 2. So, that was uh, sand. Sand was doing sand things where, you know, changing, changing all the time. And got to stay on your toes, search for new lines going through the sand. But got the best of Pierce Brown there but he was able to get up and get sixth place in his heat race Cameron McAdoo was your winner and your fastest qualifier Seth Hamaker did get third place in his heat race followed by the young gun of Chance Hymas so and then Tom Viel good all day good all night fifth place really excited to see him how he can progress being a world champion in the MX2 class over in the basically European 
motocross circuit, pro motocross circuit over there. So excited to see how he is progressing through the stages of learning Supercross. So, onto the uh, the LCQs, you had Justin Barsha in the 451, as I mentioned. Freddie Noren did get the whole shot, but he didn't last there very long as the factory Red Bull Joy Lee design gas gas 51 a Justin Barsha Bam Bam was able to get into the lead and then just uh just like he wanted to rode his race didn't have to worry about being stuck in fourth place on the edge of maybe getting cleaned out in a corner by one of the uh one of the privateer rides so he was a bam bam was able to do bam bam and win his lcq in 250 lcq not too much daxton bennick got out there just kind of ran away with it so it was uh it was good to see good to see another young guy another rookie make it to the main event and just continue learning on what it's like to be a be a full-time supercross racer and not just do the do the futures events but be out there every gate drop that's what that's what rookies are that's what rookies are looking for so that is for sure a good thing that he was able to win his lcq so now that leads us into the craziness that was the 250 main event so it all starts with uh hayden deegan grabbing the hole shot but that did not last for very long as uh austin forkner was able to grab the lead pretty quickly and uh just kind of he honestly just kind of checked out was able to ride his own race for the most part he looked very comfortable in first as he did in detroit just hitting his marks every lap after lap after lap never really seemed like he had anything too sketchy or crazy going on but obviously we do know that 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 sketchiness came up and caught him and that dirt we've heard a lot about that dirt being able just like uh glendale or phoenix uh that dirt being able to just kind of come up and grab you and pull you down so he he was looking pretty comfortable out front jaleek swole on the other hand he his his good night did come to an end as he as he crashed out of the main event but forkner like i said was looking really comfortable just like he did in uh in detroit but deegan was catching him before the big mistake that forkner made and that big mistake was he cased a tabletop just a little bit just barely back tire just barely clipped it and it didn't look like he was really ready for it or prepared for it which sucks because you hate to see it with everything he's gone through coming back again this year winning the 250 east first round looking stronger and better than ever just a little mistake goes a long way in dirt bike racing and especially in supercross when with how tight and technical it is and how close all the jumps are and especially that rhythm section was causing some problems for everybody just about all day i know vial had a similar situation he mentioned in his press conference after the race and i know mcadoo had the same thing that forkner had but he was able to recover mcadoo this is was able to recover a little bit better well Looking back now, obviously a lot better because McAdoo did end up finishing the race on the podium. But, yeah, that that little jump combination there was trouble for 
quite a few of the uh, of the fast guys, but Forkner then goes flying off the track, lands head neck area first on the concrete upper back back of the head neck upper back area <clears throat> all first on the concrete and watching it in slow motion the replay we saw after the race it was absolutely insane that he was able to get up and walk uh, walk to the uh, the medical mule after I'm not sure if that was his choice to walk or if it was just the fact that they didn't look like they had one of them uh, them backboard, hardboard little things for him to lay on. But he did have a neck brace on and his dad did come out, specify some of the injuries. It was a spine and scapula injury had a couple of the uh, the L things in your back jacked up. I'm not a doctor, obviously, so I don't really know know the full extent of all of that. But his dad did also come out and say it did not require surgery. And then Forkner's wife posted, I, I think it was Monday. Uh, I saw it shortly before right now while I'm recording this that he was discharged from the hospital and was able to walk out of the hospital with his wife so that is that's all good news but I I don't think he will be back obviously for the Supercross season especially with everything he's been going through with the injuries in his past obviously and it just it sucks to see another most likely season-ending injury for Austin Forkner after, like I've mentioned a couple times already, after everything he's been through and uh, especially after how good he was riding and kind of living up to to the hype that he had when he first broke onto the scene, when he was really fast and went in, race, went in some races and then, of course season ending injury after season ending injury have taken Austin Forkner out of the competition so that that really sucks to see but uh, Deegan took over the lead with the he then had uh, McAdoo behind him in second and then Tom Viel like I mentioned earlier is looking a lot better so far in year two so that's that's really good news to see Tom Viel yeah he he, I mean he did finish uh, 9.6 seconds behind Deegan and that was roughly two seconds behind Cameron McAdoo and he once again about roughly two seconds in front of fourth place Seth Hamaker and then uh, one of the young gun rookies I was talking about earlier Chance Hymas came in seventh place and then another one of the young rookies Daxton Bennett was able to round out the top 10 there in 10th place but the big news is Max Anstey who finished sixth is now your points leader he's up four points on pierce brown and then bennett again who got third place in detroit and then 10th place here in uh, in glendale he is six points behind anstey that is two behind pierce brown and um hayden deegan after winning his first race and ghost riding his bike kind of like his dad did when his dad won his one I believe it was his one and only supercross race that he won in LA Coliseum he ghost rode his dirt bike as well he and Deegan does that minus seven to Max Anstey 
Hayden's in uh, fifth place. And then right behind him is another heavy hitter in Cameron McAdoo. Just two points behind Deegan. So it is really... I mean, you're going to see it start to take shape a little bit here. Coming up, the older guy, Max Anstey, in uh, that Firepower Honda team. Just him and him only in the 250s with the with the red plate so it's cool to see a smaller smaller manufacturer and team have uh, have the recognition of first place even after a sixth place main event six and two equals one right now for Max Anstey but I know there's a whole lot of talk about uh, about old Danger Boy Deegan's podium speech of saying welcome to the danger zone and throwing his bike. A lot of people are a little upset about how he acted after people think he only won because of Forkner going down in that scary, scary crash. But... Um, you can look at it from both ways here you can look at it we'll look at it from the people who are mad first they are mad that one they don't like him already and this is just kind of another thing they can uh, stack their chips on and uh, not having class maybe some would say with how he acted and um I know he did say on the podium that he he was he wishes it didn't happen that way and that he was looking forward to battling Austin Forkner. So, I mean, you can say that all you want, but then you can also say if you were looking for a battle, then why did you scream into the microphone, welcome to the danger zone, when he is laying on the ground, still being attended to by the i think it's alpine stars medical crew or unit or whatever now so you can say hey why are you yelling when points leader goes down scary injury obviously at that point nobody knows what the injury is to the extent but we all know it's a bad one based on how far forkner flew without a dirt bike and how he landed and then you can look at it from the other side of saying, hey, this kid just won his first ever Supercross. He's supposed to be a championship contender. Like, you got to be excited. Yes, you can say, I wish it didn't happen that way. Everyone's going to say that whenever they make a pass to either get on the podium after a guy crashes and they make a pass that way. Or after you win a race, after a guy crashes, and that's how you win. Obviously, everyone's going to say, wish it didn't happen that way. I wanted to battle him, blah, blah, blah. There's a good chance that they don't mean it. But we didn't. We don't know the true intention of anything. I know hearing what Ricky Carmichael said and Ryan Villapoto said really started to make me think about, hey, look at it from Hayden's point of view he just wins his first ever supercross race obviously he's going to be excited obviously he's going to be happy and I'm sure obviously he wishes it did not happen that way because he Hayden Deegan even in the post-race press conference said he he wants to battle everyone he thinks he's got that little beast mode that uh that Eli has even though Eli won't come out and admit that he has it come on Eli just say it you're fast you get in the mode but um anyway back to Deegan actually I don't really know if there's too much left but yeah you can say you can say what you want the kid kid can ride a dirt bike and um might not like what he says after but 
I think he I think he's going to win a couple more races than his old dad did. So that is for sure in my eyes. So now we'll uh, we'll jump into the uh, the 450 main event here, where we also had some craziness with, um, shockingly, it was Vince Freezy once again wrapped up in the middle of it towards the end of the race, but to start the race. I'll give you two guesses to who pulled the whole shot and your first two guesses don't count because they're both going to be Jet Lawrence. Jet Lawrence pulls the whole shot again, but his older brother, Hunter, probably the best start he's ever had in the 450s. He was right up top, pretty much all race long, kind of battling with Plussinger for a bit and then a quick battle with Eli where once again Eli that that second half of the main event Eli was on another level Eli was in beast mode for the second half of the main event but Kenny goes down Ken Roxon because of Vince Freezy Malcolm Stewart then ran into him and it was uh, it was just a disaster around the sand area so hate to see obviously Ken Roxon go down he's a fan favorite I know he's my dad's favorite he I got a Suzuki he's got a Suzuki we're both kickstarting like well a lot of us just weekend guys are doing still but that's okay um so yeah Kenny goes down after I mean, he, he's been showing quite a bit of speed. Obviously, he got third place in his heat race, eighth in qualifying. Sucks to see him go down, but he was able to recover for eighth place. And the guy who went down with him, Malcolm Stewart, won behind Ken Roxon. So they were, they were trying to fight through the pack together after going down. But what's pretty interesting to look at here is Jet Lawrence. He's able to, he did this a lot in outdoors, did this quite a bit in the uh, 250s. He was able to go out, get a lead, and then he just kind of gets two and a half, three, three and a half second lead. And he just says, okay, this is where I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay in two and a half to three second lead all race long. We've seen it time and time again. Obviously, we saw it 22 times pretty much in the pro motocross season. But he's able to just get that lead and just hold it. He'll notice if someone's coming up on him. He'll throw down a couple fast laps. And boom, he'll get that lead again right back for the most part. But... um there one thing a two and a half second to three second lead does not account for is you jumping onto a tough block and crashing and then getting past because you only have the two and a half to three second lead but still that's what happened cooper webb was able to grab the lead this is all while cooper webb knows eli is coming so Webb's pushing to get Jet. Jet's pushing to not let Webb get him. And Jet just makes a silly mistake. And jumps on top of Tough Block. A Yamaha Tough Block. Conspiracy theory. Jet Lawrence on a Honda. Jumps onto a Yamaha Tough Block. And a Yamaha bike now wins. Think about that for a second. There are strings attached to Jet's bike to pull him into the tough block and that's why he hit the Yamaha one because Yamaha wants the coverage and I just made all that up and pulled it right out of my behind because I can so also Dylan Ferrandis was in the pits with bike problems so interesting to see him 
kind of struggling a bit, like I mentioned earlier, on that new uh, Honda. Wasn't able to finish the race. But, uh, yeah. So, got to get back on track here. Jet and Cooper. Cooper and Jet, because Cooper's now in first place. Jet's catching him. Jet chased Cooper down, and then coming into the whoops, that is where the incident with uh, Vince Freezy happens. And, oh my gosh, I'm recording this in a parking lot, and I just watched someone drive up on grass to get to another side of the parking lot, and they were in a little car. That shouldn't happen. Man. Okay. Complete side note. We need driving tests every 10 years because some of these people should not be out on the road with us responsible people. That is my PSA of the episode. So, back to dirt bike racing like this is supposed to be. Um, Where was I? Yes. Jet catching Cooper in the whoops and it's it's hard to blame it all on Vince Freezy here because Vince Freezy was on the very inside of the whoops Cooper Webb was towards the middle outside of the whoops and Jet was on the inside of the whoops kind of following Vince Freezy into that whoop section Vince Freezy gets the blue flag in front of him and I, looking back, I don't think there was much that Vince Freezy could have done. Now, he does get a lot of slack for a lot of things that, he, a lot of problems he does cause because he causes a lot of problems. But this one, I think you got to put it on Jet Lawrence because Vince, all, all ugh, talk, all Vince Freezy does is continued going straight in the whoops. And then just stayed on the very inside going into that left-hand turn. And Jet just kind of ran right into the back of him. Because if Freezy was going to go more to the outside, he would have hit Webb. Maybe Webb would have gone into the back of Freezy. And then might have been a bigger problem because Vince Freezy doesn't hold his line. Like the blue flag tells you to either hold the line or get out of the main line. Freezy held his line. Jet didn't expect that, I guess, and just ran into the back of him. And that takes Jet from second place off the podium to fourth place, finishing one spot in front of his brother, Hunter Lawrence. And then Hunter was one spot in front of the guy I predicted to win, Chase Sexton, who was... 20 seconds back and with Sexton you just gotta hope at least in my case because I predicted him to win the championship you just gotta hope he's kind of taken the Eli approach to this from the last couple years where it was hey if I don't have that this race and I need a sixth because that's all I can put out there that's what I'm gonna do but then I'm going to go out and win the next weekend. Although we're going to Daytona. Where obviously Cooper's been pretty decent at. Eli is obviously the king of Daytona. Jeremy McGrath might be the king of Supercross. But Eli Tomek is the king of Daytona in my eyes. And also now looking at timing and scoring. I see Sexton finished 20.2 seconds back and Justin Cooper a very close 21.7 seconds so just over a second behind Chase Sexton so maybe there was a little late race push there from uh from Justin Cooper on the reigning champion but Sexton was able to cross in sixth place and um after all that your main event winner is the guy who has recently been dubbed as the king of Arlington we got a lot of king of nicknames in the supercross world I guess considering I just called Eli Tomek the king of Daytona 
But Cooper Webb, kind of the king of Arlington, even though he did have a crash very similar like Forkner a couple years ago, but obviously not as bad. Did take him out of that night show because it wasn't qualifying, but uh, yeah, Cooper Webb, very strong winner in Arlington. I always think back of when he went on to beat Ken Roxon by like two hundredths of a second or something. Classic race. But uh, yeah, Cooper Webb wins. Eli Tomac is finding a new level that we are all hoping he could find. And I counted him out. I counted him as the old guy. But he proved to me and to everyone else who was calling him the old guy, like he mentioned in his podium speech and even in the press conference after, he knows he's not there yet, but he's getting there. And with Daytona on the horizons, I think Eli will be there next weekend. But um, Plessinger rounds out your podium, was able to... Get a strong third place after battling with Eli for quite a bit. Obviously getting past. And then uh, we got to bring this guy up again. Justin Barsha, 14th place. Another tough night for old Bam Bam. I don't know what it is. He's got to find something coming up here. Because I think uh, I think he can be better. Obviously, he thinks he can be better. So it's going to be interesting to see how he comes out in Daytona. But I don't know. It, another interesting thing I just thought of: Christian Craig was not at the race due to elbow pain. He tried to he road press day. Said he can't go on Saturday. I think his time at the Rockstar Husqvarna team, I think his days are a dwindling down there, much like maybe Adam Cianciarulo and Kawasaki, even though that's where he's been his whole life. I think Cianciarulo's days with Kawasaki might be might be counting down here pretty soon but looking into the uh, the points now obviously Cooper Webb was able to take a pretty big chunk out of Jet Lawrence's points lead Cooper Webb is now just three back and in third place in the points AP7 down by seven so this has got to be the strongest start to a season for Plessinger ever. I know it, it was the uh, the first time he's held the red plate in the 450 class. Obviously, he got his first win in the 450 class. So, this has got to be the closest he's been to the championship after, like, round two or something in 450s because Plessinger is uh, seven points back. Him and Chase Sexton, are the roles kind of reversing, one might wonder, under that Red Bull KTM tent, much like they did when uh, Dungy retired and Moosecam was supposed to be that quote-unquote number one guy, and then they brought Cooper in to be that number two guy, and Cooper quickly took over as the number one guy there. But I hope that's not the case, because like I've mentioned I want Sexton to win the championship because that's what I said how many months ago to in my preview show. But Eli Tomac, fifth place, 13 back. There's, there's still a chance. There's still a chance that the old guy can come back and win the whole dang thing, especially if he gets on a bit of a roll here which we know he can, we know he's capable of it. So, it's going to be very interesting to see Eli Tomac down the home stretch. And then, uh, 
yeah, rounding out your top 10 in points is uh, Justin Cooper, 60 back. Right in front of uh, Hunter Lawrence, who is 49 back of his brother in ninth place, which is it's good to see because we all knew coming into this year, Jet had the speed that we saw outdoors. Obviously, they both won championships in outdoors and Supercross. So that's really exciting to see Hunter Lawrence maybe figuring it all out here now. So, now we'll, we'll take a look here at the at the Daytona track. I know the last two years it's been the same track because Ricky Carmichael designs it. And he said he really liked how the track raced in, what would that be, 2022. So they kept the same exact track for 2023. And now here in 2024, it is a bit of a different track. And on the Supercross Live website, where you can look at all the track maps, they have some grass on there. But I'm assuming that will be covered by dirt because I don't think Daytona wants, Daytona Motor Speedway wants all their nice grass ripped up. So I'm sure they'll throw some plywood down there and cover it with dirt. But uh, looking at it, it's a long, sweeping 180 left-hand turn. So, we saw this last weekend. A short 90-degree left-hand turn worked out a little bit better than it did in Detroit. So, now we got a long, sweeping 180 turn where they'll go under a tunnel jump. And then... uh, some quick little features there's a little split lane uh, right before the finish line and then that uh that long rhythm that they normally have going from uh, what would it like following how the cars go on the track they got it going the opposite way now unlike the past couple years and there's a long long sand section but it's just a straightaway, not going into any corners, so probably won't be as much chaos like we saw this past weekend. And uh, I know Detroit had a left-handed sand corner right before the finish line, so we won't see as much chaos in the sand, I'm predicting, with just the uh, just the straight sand shot. But... Um, Time for some predictions here. Also, I don't see on the track map. I'm not sure what it is, but uh, I know. Oh, nope, I see him. When I think of Daytona Supercross, I think of the little, uh, what is it, like a slalom, I think is how you say it. Little downhill ski slalom type bumps. Kind of like whoops, but kind of spread all over the place. I that's That's one of the first things. On the track, I feel like is always in Daytona, and that is back in this year's track. So, prediction time: two fifty Daytona Supercross winner. I know Cameron McAdoo has been pretty quick on the outdoor style tracks or uh, speedway. Tracks. I know he was quick when they had the residency at Atlanta Motor Speedway. He was pretty good, even with a couple big crashes mixed in there. I know last year Hayden Deegan got his first ever podium at Daytona. And I think it's between Hayden Deegan and Cameron McAdoo. I think you can just kind of flip-flop them coming up here. So, I think you flip a coin on those two, and uh, heads or tails, it's tails, haven't made up my decision on who's who. Cameron McAdoo, I don't think we see a back-to-back winner in the 250 class just yet. I think Cameron McAdoo going to come out, win your Daytona Supercross. 450 time. 
the obvious answer that everyone is probably thinking is Eli Tomac. And here is why Eli Tomac will not win Daytona. Because I believe the outdoor style speedway track, Jet Lawrence will carry all that speed around like he showed us he could do at, uh, was it Chicago Land in the SMX playoff? Where he had the speed, and uh, Roxon also had the speed there. So those are two guys who are pretty quick in the speedway style tracks. Like I mentioned earlier, also Cooper Webb also pretty quick in the at Daytona, and Plessinger has also shown flashes. Chase Sexton also needs he needs to win to try and stay in this fight, if not at least a podium. So those are all the reasons why Eli Tomek will not win Daytona. So with all that being said, congrats Eli Tomek. You have won another Daytona race in my book. I think Eli will do it again. So everything I just said, throw that right out the window. I think the old guy will come out and prove he can still win and chase down that win record maybe but he will yeah, I mean he's got the most career wins on 450 at Daytona so I think he puts another one in the books for Daytona so I think uh, McAdoo 250s Eli Tomac 450s so like always thank you for listening follow me on uh, X at talking underscore moto give the podcast a a like a share a uh a subscribing so i really appreciate it if everyone out there listening and uh i'll talk to you guys next week after hopefully another great day of racing in daytona see ya